0: Welcome to the show. If you're new here, we are Pivotal Moments HQ. On this episode, you will learn four reasons why you need to have those difficult conversations now. We explore why these are hard, share some of our hard conversations, and give you tools to prepare you for these conversations.
1: Welcome to Pivotal Moments HQ. On this podcast, we share guidance and tips on how you can
0: live an empowered life. Every choice you make is a pivotal moment and serves as a catalyst to living with intention, purpose, and meaning.
1: It's never too late to start living your life, and you are right on time. I'm Cidia Udierrez, a mindset coach, attorney, and mental health advocate.
0: I'm Melissa Robeda, a world leader in appreciative inquiry and strength-based leadership. This is Pivotal Moments HQ. All right. So I'm sure at some point in our lives, we've all engaged in difficult or uncomfortable situations or conversations. I try to avoid them at all costs. Well, so do I. But I mean, before we get into that, though, it's like you and I were just talking about this morning about the difference between like our assertiveness in business versus our assertiveness in like our personal lives. Now, if you were to ask me about difficult conversations at work, I'm all about it. I'm all for it. I'm very assertive there. I can have difficult conversations there because... I feel like I'm more comfortable in that space. But I think for this episode, we're going to look more of that interpersonal conversations, those difficult ones that you're just like, "Mm, I want to have them, but I don't feel comfortable doing it.
1: Well, I mean, even with what you were saying right now, I immediately went back to one of the first very difficult business conversations that I had, which was giving my resignation. So I will... I will share that story here in a little bit, but I I do think that at the end of the day, we're talking about this probably more of like a one-on-one conversation that you need to have. It is something that is brewing, that needs to be talked about, and it is probably something that you
0: have been thinking about for some
1: time, and we want to help you with that. God, and
0: I just was thinking about, as I was kind of putting together my show notes, just So many things can be considered a difficult conversation. I had a conversation with my mother the other day about her death and like what, you know, what would happen after that. I mean, that's a very uncomfortable conversation. You know, we've also discussed crossing boundaries here on the show. We've talked about finances. No one likes to talk about finances, any type of relationship woes. Like you were mentioning career changes or resignations all can be very difficult, which is why I think it's just so important to hit on this topic and kind of explore why are they hard? Why are they important and then how can we start to, you know, feel more confident or comfortable in these conversations that are needed? Agreed. And I think you just touched on the fact that there are many, many different types of difficult conversations. So where where should we begin? I really wanted to start off and why do we feel that difficult conversations are so hard? obviously they're not easy, but I was just kind of reflecting on myself. And I feel like for those who have experienced traumatic events or whose inner critic is telling them they aren't worthy or good enough to, to change the situation that they currently find themselves in, really struggle with these. So as I was reflecting, three things kind of surfaced for me as to why I personally feel difficult conversations are hard. First was my upbringing. I was not shown Or taught, like how to have a difficult conversation, let alone a constructive conversation. No modeling. Not at all. Not at all. I remember a couple years ago, my mom, who was on her own healing journey, would often say, I'm tired of living in a family of secrets. And I refuse to let that cycle continue with my family. And I kind of sat there and I paused because, you know, I know that she was referring to her mom and her brothers and her, you know, extended family. But I saw how my immediate family, my parents and my siblings all engaged in this type of behavior, all of it. And so despite, you know, growing up in an enmeshed family like I was, we did not share feelings, thoughts, or experiences we were going through at all. And we were taught to just keep all of that to ourselves. Interesting.
1: And see, when, when I think about upbringing, I would agree with you 100% that I think my upbringing, upbringing was part of it. But it was more because I was told not to argue with my dad. I was very specifically told it just it's easier if you get along and go along, which is a part of the reason my therapist says I'm super agreeable. I need to work on being assertive. But th- this is a big part of it. And I just remember as I started growing and getting older and, you know, maybe getting into those teenage ages, it was very difficult to hold my tongue and not be able to express the fact that i disagreed with something or that i didn't like the fact that you know they would say uh racist terms in spanish that i'm like that's racist and they are i like, know it isn't i'm like yeah it is it's super racist and then and but you know as i've continued to speak up now it's oh we can't say that cause Cydia doesn't like it it's like you know what i'll take that you can take your passive sh- aggressive shit elsewhere man but yeah upbringing was for sure a part of it and just literally being told don't argue
0: yeah we just were never asked at all like how we felt at all and I know that that's something that I'm happy to report that my family's you know starting to work on because we're all like in our own little therapy but I digress number two it requires that we revisit our past fuck my past was hard Uh, If you're anything like me, I've blacked out certain portions of my childhood, either because they were just too traumatic. And I feel really bad because people will, you know, from my past will recall experiences, situations that I just, I don't, it's like I'm hearing it for the first time. And we've talked about on this show revisiting our past and how necessary it is to heal. But when you're thinking about these difficult conversations, like the difficult conversation I wanted to have with my dad, required me to go back to that space um, where I felt abandoned, where I was hurt, where I longed for my father. And so when we're thinking about engaging in these conversations, it does require us to go back momentarily because we're trying to then, you know move forward in terms of well what is it that I would want from this conversation? So you know, I think that another thing that holds people up is that it does require us to go back in order to go forward. And lastly, if you are a people pleaser like us, you know you fear rejection again i'm going to bring up my father huge fear of rejection from my father if i said anything i was afraid he was just going to hightail it out because he had a pattern of doing so so you know this need for love and acceptance especially from the people we hold most dear like i almost felt like love was very conditional back then so i would hold all of that in because i was a fear i was fearful of being rejected and then as a people pleaser i was fearful of hurting other people's feelings You know, I spend so much time and energy putting other people's needs before my own and it leaves me harboring feelings of resentment, anger, unhappiness, and pain. And you cannot control how another person feels or reacts in any given situation, but just holding on to that just causes us more pain. So yeah, the last one is if you're a people pleaser.
1: And and I totally, I can totally see those. I approach this question a little bit different in terms of, you know, why do we need to have these conversations? And for me, like the number one thing uh, when we were even brainstorming this topic was, it's not going to get easier. Like the longer you wait to have this conversation, the more you replay it in your head, you ruminate, you, you know, the more you spend this energy, what's the right word? Um, It's not going to get any easier. So the more time that you're spending here, Just knowing, hey, it's not going to get any easier. So you might as well just rip the Band-Aid off and have that conversation. It's not going to go perfect, but it is something that you need to get there. Because again, it's you're only making it harder and you're making, uh, what's that saying? Uh, Making a mountain out of a molehill. Mm -hmm. It's exactly what I usually end up doing where things end up just looking and feeling enormous. And at the end of the day, I was like, oh, you know my reason number two, why you need to have this conversation, it'll probably go better than you think. It happens to me time and time again, where I think, you know, somebody's going to blow up at me, I'm gonna like lose a friendship, I'm gonna um, completely have a meltdown, whatever it is that my brain is very good at telling me is going to happen has never happened. It always ends up going much better. And I I remember this one time, I was, uh, I was a teenager, I was living with my parents. And My friend and I were getting out of a movie, it was a late night movie, and it was raining. And I backed up into somebody's car. And in my head, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to get in so much trouble. Look at all these bad things. And so because of all of that, I did the responsible thing and I put you know, a note. name and phone number and a note. And I put that on the car and in the entire drive home, I'm like, oh, man, like, I can't believe I have to admit this. Like, my parents are going to be so mad. And so I, I walk into their bedroom and they're both just watching whatever telenovelas on. And I explain my car crash. Oh, man, like, you know, I'm so sorry, but I did the right thing and I left the note. This is where my parents reacted. This is where they were like, you did what? Oh, hell no. And so my mom puts on black pants, a black uh, sweater of some kind, even a black like um, all to take not not a hoodie. This
0: note away, I'm assuming. Yes. Are you fucking kidding me? To go back
1: to the movie theater, hoping and praying that the note and car are still there. And it was it was the exact opposite of what I thought was going to happen. I thought I was going to get in trouble and all these other things, but no. Instead, my mom dresses up like a fucking cat burglar, and I mean, even like I don't even know where she had the beanie. She doesn't wear beanies, like, but there was a beanie involved here, and I'm just like fucking Catwoman over here, going out there grabbing the the soggy wet piece of paper out of even the have read it at
0: that point.
1: Probably not, but it was just like. You know, so th- that difficult conversation you're dreading may turn out way better than you expect.
0: I'm it, sorry but that. Isn't it, that just like a misdemeanor of some sort, like a hit and run?
1: The statute of limitation is run, okay. which is why I'm able to talk about this publicly now. <laughs> but, but it's just one of those things where it's like things are probably going to go better than you think. And you need to be open for that to be a possibility. And then I think the final reason that you really need to have that difficult conversations is... Uh, you touched on it a little bit, you know, instead of worrying about the other person, you're really hurting yourself. The longer you stay in here and the longer you stay in that negativity, it's only causing yourself harm. And, you know, here at the pod, we're trying to encourage you to love yourself more and be more self-compassionate. The last thing you want to be doing is hurting yourself. And if you are not having these conversations, but you are having them in your head, you're talking to everybody about them, you're talking about like how you need to do all this stuff, you're really just keeping yourself in that stress cycle you're keeping those stress hormones in your body you're only harming yourself stop doing
0: it i'm going to add to it because you're right there are several reasons why having difficult conversations are so important and a lot of what i'm going to say is going to dovetail off of what city I just talked about which is you're right it's never going to go away and for me, what I've noticed is these negative feelings and thoughts that I continue to harbor, they just fester and they multiply. And then that, what happens at that point is it causes ripple effects in other aspects of my life. So, you know, here I have been talking a lot about my father. So it's like this hurt, this pain left me guarded and it impacted my my relationship with friends, with, you know, intimate partners and all of this stuff. So it really didn't serve me and it just – it emerged and shown itself in a different way Mm -hmm. Um, the second is harboring feelings or harboring Mm -hmm. these feelings without properly addressing it can lead to emotional outbursts can I just tell you my little Latina side will come out at the most inopportune times I think I should mention on the show before where I was trying to set up boundaries with my mother and you know earlier I mentioned how you know growing up we just didn't talk about feelings at all that included my parents so here I am trying to establish boundaries and rather than just you know being firm I yelled right and it was just that that anger piece came out because I felt like for so long my feelings and my thoughts and my emotions had been squashed and not heard so I'm going to shout them as loud as I possibly can because now you're going to hear me was that the right reaction no so, you know, but at least I know that moving forward. So, you know, really getting ahead of it so you don't have these emotional outbursts because you might yell, you might say something that you really don't mean. And, you know, growing up, I was spanked as a child. Do I remember any one particular spanking? Okay, there is one. But do I remember words that were said by my parents or someone? Yeah, those those dug deeper because they said them out of out of emotion, out of the moment, you know? Mm-hmm. those stayed with me longer
1: yeah and i think when you're talking about the emotional operas that's usually what gets me it's the words and, and you know i distinctly remember being spanked once and my dad having like just him having his own meltdown about it because he'd never wanted to do that which is ironic considering you know the whole yeah um the way that i grew up but it was It was always the words. The words always cut deeper. And this is one of the things that really um, impacts my relationship with my mom. Because she has her emotional outbursts uh, when she's been drinking. And then she claims not to remember them. And yet everybody around remembers. And like I'm left holding the bag of this shit that you said because you don't have the guts to say it. Any other time or you think it's going to be excused and that is some bullshit.
0: Oh, man. Next time I come to a family gathering, I'll make sure just to like leave my phone on record. Um, (laughs) The third thing is I had mentioned it before. It cripples your well-being because you're unable to heal and move past it. I love analogies, So I'm going to give an analogy for this. So suppose you broke your foot and the doctors put a cast on it and they recommend rest and physical therapy. And despite the doctor's orders, you continue to work go to the gym, run errands, et cetera, because the thought of resting and physical therapy is just too much work for you in that moment. So your body will begin to work to heal itself. The bruising will go away. Your bones may start to fuse together, but because you didn't put in the work that was needed to heal correctly, that break didn't repair itself correctly. So even though it may appear on the outside that your foot is healed, you may feel pain with every step you take. And again, every move you make, as well. Thank you. I was. I really tried really hard. I was like, every little step I take. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but I mean, you know, so just because you appear fine on the outside, doesn't mean that everything's okay on the inside. So, if you really truly want to heal and to thrive, which we want you to do, it will require sometimes digging in deep and having these difficult conversations.
1: This is all great guys. I really appreciate all of this information. But how the fuck do you actually do it?
0: <laughs> so glad you asked. What do you what did you come up with, Sid? Little I, Sid. You know, I <laughs> as I'm thinking about this,
1: how how do you do it? You you have to mentally prepare yourself for it. And it, de- it depends on the conversation. And so earlier I alluded to resignation. And not like being resigned of, you know, life or Iving mean yourself nothing like that, like actually giving your notice. And uh, so I want to share this story with you of how I did it and see if that helps you in some way. So the the first time I decided to resign from a job as a baby lawyer was really, really hard because you know, here I was, this place had given me an opportunity, I I, I was so in my feelings about this. And I just remember, I'm going to do all of the things that I can to really prepare for this. And so I'm thinking about the words that I want to say, I want to show the appreciation, but I also want to, you know, be firm about it. And, you know, I think our audience here probably has heard of, you know, doing the Superman pose and Wonder Woman pose, putting your hands on your hips, and that that's supposed to like increase your testosterone or whatever that has been debunked it doesn't actually work but you know what if you believe it go for it like if it's going to make you feel good so I did all of those things I was breathing I was like standing in Wonder Woman pose like all the things I'm ready all right I'm going to call my boss right now and I'm going to let her know thank you very much Um, I just wanted to give you the heads up because you're going to see this in your email here after this conversation I'm giving you my two weeks right totally thought I was clear ready to just give this information over. And, you know, I, I pick up the phone. All right, I'm breathing. I call her. Ring, ring, ring. Voicemail. Completely devastated, right? It's like, oh, man, I'd done all of this work. And so then I was like, well, I didn't want to give my notice in writing until I had had this conversation. Because in my head, that needed to happen does it actually need to happen I don't know it's some sort of social construct that I have adopted and had really thought this is really important for me to do and so she calls me back a couple hours later but I was not prepared I was not at all prepared for this phone call in that specific moment and so I ended up telling her and I got super emotional and I was crying like I didn't realize like how um how hard this was going to be this was a really difficult conversation in my head like I thought everything was going to go just fine and then here I was actually letting her know and like my voice is cracking and I'm just like I can't even breathe and I realized that for myself when I'm having a difficult conversation I will physically manifest like how hard this is and I have to breathe through it and it's just something that it just really hits really deep and so you know do what you can to prepare yourself. Do what you can with the breathing and everything else. But also know that it, even with all of the preparation that you may have, you might still have a hard time and that that is okay
0: and don't judge yourself for that. Obviously, with appreciative inquiry, you know, I'm going to come at you with some questions to kind of reflect on. I do 100% agree about having like preparing yourself. That might take days, weeks, months, or in my case, decades to have a conversation with my father. You'll know when the time is right. And so if you're not ready, that's okay. You'll know when, but so a few questions to ask yourself before any challenging situation. And I did adapt this from five fivetimesminority.com. The first question is, what is my purpose i think you know you have to be very very clear and the reason why i say this and i'm just going to share an example is so when my husband and i separated um he and i were in marital counseling and i told him like this isn't what i want like i'm not happy he's like well what would make you happy and i was like i don't know just not this and how unfair was that to him because here he is wanting to Better the relationship, improve communication, and I can't myself communicate what it is that I want. So I think if you have a clear idea of what is the purpose behind this, which leads into question number two, which is what do I hope to accomplish from this conversation? And what would the ideal outcome of this conversation be? Fourth question super important what assumptions am I making? I think sometimes we're we come into a conversation with assumptions that they never they never consider me or they always do something. And when you're challenging your assumptions, you might find that, you know what? I might have contributed somehow to this, this situation. And how might I have contributed to this situation? And by remaining open, you'll find, you know, are there any common concerns? Because, yeah, I might be feeling like I'm not being listened to by my husband, but you know what? He might be feeling the same way. So if we're both not feeling listened to, what can we do to allow each other to feel heard? And by opening up conversations in that way, it becomes a dialogue. It's not just me griping to you about what why I'm unhappy. It's coming up with a shared vision of a preferred future. How do we want to be in this space together? And how can we create that together? Because By having these difficult conversations and allowing that other person to contribute, you'll be surprised at some of the ideas that they come up with in terms of how we can better ourselves because it kind of reminds me of something you had mentioned in a previous episode. It's like, I care enough to engage in this really difficult conversation. It may be very uncomfortable, but it's because I care about you. I care about us to engage in that. So I think that asking these questions even beforehand or during I think are are really important. I think it's also too when we talk about preparation. I think that also has to go for the other person. I think you have to, you know, tell the person like, "Hey, today, you know, I would really like to discuss blank. When and, would be a good time for you?" And I agree with that to a certain extent because I think that
1: sometimes that can be a double-edged sword where. You know, it's like let's talk after work. Sometimes people are like, oh shit, what did I do? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, hey, I hey, I want to talk to you about the podcast after this. And so just kind of setting an expectation. With oh no, it that, absolutely. Instead of like we need to. No, talk. No, I didn't say that. But, no,
0: I said, hey, you know, I would like to talk more about the podcast. You know, can you what what time would be good for you? Because you don't want to catch that person off guard. And we've talked about emotional consent. So if you really want that person to bring their whole authentic self to the conversation. I think you got to meet them where they're at as well. It's got to be a joint venture.
1: Yeah, and, and I think at the end of the day, what we're really talking about here is having difficult conversations with people who you care about. You're not going to have a difficult conversation with the cost- customer, service rec- customer service representative at Cox. It's just not going to happen. Like you might have an interesting conversation, but like you don't really need a prep for that. And if you're putting in this work and you're really thinking about it, it that's an indicator to me that you care about this relationship, whether it's on a professional level or a personal level. And you know, one of my favorite people is Brene Brown. And in her Dare to Lead book, she really talks about clear is kind. And this is really what you're trying to do is you're trying to have clear communication of what it is that you want, maybe what's not working. And that at it, it, the end of the day, it's an act of kindness. And it's because you care about the other person on the other end, or you care about this relationship, or maybe you care about, hey, you know what, we're, we're breaking up. Like those breakups are hard. I can tell you the, those ones have definitely been difficult conversations to have, but they've been conversations that needed to happen. And so, you know, do the best that you can and give yourself permission to not be perfect about it because i don't know anybody who has a perfect difficult conversation do you no that's it for this episode find pivotal moments hq on instagram and tiktok for all the bts and sister-like banter you know and love we want to thank our music director ron johnson this has been a pug productions podcast